0: Ted, we are in episode 64, and as we try to make up different names with each number, <laughs> who, are we, who are we representing on episode 64? Oh, come on. It's Joe dole Joe DeLamalur. Joe DeLamalur. That's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, cool. absolutely. New middle-aged men in Cleveland, Ken Dwarfsnick, Ted Klopp. Ted, I had an interesting situation this week, something that yeah. I, I've not done very often, and it involved my kids. I figured this would be a good time. I know you talk about kid stories at times and things that happen at home. And I had a very interesting situation. So my kids went to a camp in Boswell, Pennsylvania. Don't ask me where that, where it's at. I just use GPS. It's kind of in the, in the Hills of Pennsylvania, beautiful area. So they go to this camp called summer's best two weeks. My son's gone before they didn't have it last year because of COVID. So my daughter, I decided she's nine time for her to maybe sign up and, and go to this. Yeah. So, time has gotten away from us like many different people and 4th of July comes and all of a sudden, uh, yeah, soon enough, we're going to be going to camp. So took them (laughs) on Sunday. She was nervous. You could tell, you know, she talked about it. she never really stayed overnight anywhere else. You know, I imagine your kids have been through this before as well. And so we, we talked about it, but my son, Riley, who's 13, had conversations with her, told her about the whole thing, what to expect and all that stuff. So it was pretty interesting. So we get there, we do the drop off. Riley, 13, saw the kids he saw from last time, which was two years ago. Great to see you, Dad. Gave me a quick hug. It was gone. I mean, just gone. Ran like the roadrunner. Don't need you anymore. Nope, we're done. My daughter's just standing there with her sleeping bag. It was, I mean, it was cute. It was pretty funny. And so I'm like, okay, let's go walk to your cabin. So we walked to her cabin. We put, uh, you know, the sleeping bag on it. And we actually had like some sheets and some bedding we put on there. And so I look at her. I'm like, how are you doing? And obviously she just kind of burst out crying. I'm like, OK, so we go outside and we walk around a little bit. And there was a mom there who was who had another daughter in the same cabin. And so she went up to her and said, oh, hi, this is so and so. And, you know, I'm in this grade and I do this. And as soon as that happened, her eyes kind of lit up and said, wow, this is cool. So then we did a quick tour of the facility. I was only there for like 15 minutes Then I'm like, OK, I turn to her. I'm like, I'm going to get going. She goes, OK, dad, I'm good now. Turns around, okay. goes right in the cabin. I'm like, wow, this is outstanding. This is really cool. But it's yeah. I don't know. Anytime you have your kids do something for the first time. Oh, and, yeah. You know, as they're getting older and obviously other parents can talk about taking their kids to college. You know, this was for me, it was kind of a, a prelude of how things are going to go, because you know what? You let them go. They're on their own. They're there at this camp for two weeks. They're going to have to figure it out. That's just how it works. Yeah, this is how it works. Yeah, this is very interesting situation. They're sure. Yeah,
1: very cool. Very cool. Just goes to show you that once they find somebody they can relate to that they feel is another security blanket, you don't need the old one. Yep, that's correct.
0: All right. Well, I hope she has a good time. We're hoping for that. No calls. You can send letters, so we'll send some letters, but yeah, no calls. I think we're going to be good. Hello mother. <laughs> Hello father. <clears throat> All right, well hey, coming up on this show,
1: I'm not going to sing anymore, but we've got Rhythm is back. Yes. Going to do that. How happy are Americans? Well, we have some good news on that. A tightrope act is our overachiever. We have a misspeak of the week. You might be able to guess who it involves. Oh boy. Scott Sable here to play forecaster. Let's And our guest this week is humanoid robot developer, programmer, and inventor, Steve
0: Favis. Ted, must be your favorite segment. Mm. Every time you have the opportunity to bust out some lyrics, I know you enjoy it. It is time for We've Got No Rhythm. Well, we're playing to my strengths here. So I figured this week... We did some research and I don't think we're going to relay the song right away because I think people will figure it out. But it's from okay. a very famous artist. Yeah, I know you're going to do a heck of a job of singing this thing. And people are going to be probably up on their feet, clapping their hands. Mm-hmm. By the time you're done, yeah. it's, it's a very certainly a very famous song. So I, I leave I leave the floor to yourself, sir. Good luck. Thank we've you. got no rhythm. Thank you. All right. Let me get a beat. I don't know why we've got
1: a beat. Well, we've got no rhythm, but there's the beat. All right, here we go. They told him, don't you ever come around here. Don't wanna see your face, you better disappear. The fire's in their eyes and their words are really clear. So beat it, just beat it. You better run, you better do what you can. Don't wanna see no blood, don't be a macho man. You wanna be tough, better do what you can. So beat it. But you want to be bad. Just beat it. Beat it. Beat it. Beat it. No one wants to be defeated. Showing how funky and strong is your fight. It doesn't matter who's wrong or right. Just beat it. Beat it. 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 Uh what it says there. They're out to get you, better leave while you can. Don't wanna be a boy, you wanna be a man. You wanna stay alive, better do what you can. So beat it, just beat it. You have to show them that you're really not scared. You're playing with your life. This ain't no truth or dare. They'll kick you, then they'll beat you. Then they'll tell you it's fair. So beat it, but you wanna be bad. Just beat it, beat it. Beat it, beat it. No one wants to be defeated. Showing how funky and strong is your fight. It doesn't matter who's wrong or right. Just beat it, beat it, beat it, beat it.
0: There you go. That heck of a job. What what are we beating, you think? I, uh... I think we should leave that up to the listeners
1: to, to, to suggest or. Great answer.
0: Yeah. Great answer.
1: To m a m i c l e at gmail.com.
0: Let us know what you feel as though Michael Jackson is talking about during beat it.
1: Yeah.
0: Outstanding. Heck of a job, by the way. Thank you. Seriously. We've you're, you're very good at this a little bit better. Your, your rhythm is not a lot, but a little bit better than mine for sure.
1: (laughs) Well, That's one thing in common. We've got no rhythm. Can we have some good news. Despite COVID and other hardships, the latest Gallup Live Evaluation Index shows that three out of five Americans say they're pretty happy. Huh. Wow. Pretty happy. That's good. The percentage of Americans who evaluated their lives to be thriving... Reached 59.2% in June. That's the highest in over 13 years of ongoing measurement and exceeded the previous high of 57.3% from September 2017. Huh. During the initial COVID outbreak and economic shutdown, the thriving percentage clearly dropped. It dropped almost 10%. These June results are based on a survey of more than 4,800 adults, U.S. adults, surveyed online for the Gallup panel. So Ken, is your life
0: thriving? Is my life thriving? I, yes, I don't, is, your, I mean, is your life thriving? I guess, I guess I could say I'm thriving. I mean, I wake thriving. up every day. I work a job, spend time with my children and my family. So yeah, I guess I'm doing okay. How about you? Are you thriving? Well,
1: you know, I always remind uh, my family, we've got a roof over our head, food in front of us, we have each other. What else do you really need?
0: So that's yeah, we're good. thriving. You're doing it.
1: Yep. That's what we got? that is Some good news. Blah blah
0: blah. Blah blah blah. blah blah blah. blah
2: blah
1: blah. Blah blah blah. Blah blah blah.
3: Blah
0: blah blah. Blah blah blah.
1: Our guest today is the founder and chief technical officer of Favis Advanced Robotics Corporation. He has been a lifelong computer programmer and is now developing social humanoid robots. He has won numerous hackathons and a prestigious or the prestigious 2018 Intel top innovator award for the entire U S let's talk with Steve Favis. Steve, thank you so much for your time. Are you the one who's going to design terminators to take over the world and eliminate us all. Is that what's going on here?
3: No, I'm actually the one to design the, the robots that'll. El- <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you're the protector. You're the good. That's you're correct. Programming the good Arnold. Okay. Well tell us about Fabus robotics and how you have developed these robots and where you started and where you are now.
3: I, I started actually in the video game industry. Um, as a child, I, I, I actually started programming really, really young and I built like remote control airplanes uh, and stuff like that. Really, really young and uh, super into technology at a really young age. And then uh, I worked in the game industry for maybe about about 12 years. And uh, what I started realizing it, uh, it was through a NASA DARPA hackathon, actually, I realized I was trying to just test some pathfinding algorithms. On something called the NASA Sphero, it's like a little floating robot that you know f- floats around with CO2 uh, in, the, in the space station or s- shuttle or whatever. It's supposed to be like little uh, Alexa, or whatever, for for astronauts. And what <laughs> I realized, when I, yeah, it's a really cool device. What I realized was the uh, I could just accelerate the pathfinding by just accelerating the clock on the CPU or the or the the uh, time step of the game engine. And I was thinking, well, wait a second, if we get instant results quickly. Why don't we just extend this to uh, other complex robots, basically? So uh, I realized that we could control very, very complex things to get get results extremely fast by just kind of running it in kind of a a Matrix simulator, uh, similar to Matrix movie. But this is for robots, not people. So what I did is I filed a patent in 2015. That patent was granted in, in uh, 2018. So I have pretty much a monopoly for the next 20 years on uh, uh, humanoid robotics that are trained in a, a simulation environment. And uh, what I'd like to say is this logic is timeless, basically. There is is not an opportunity or a faster way of training robots through simulation. OpenAI has proven this with a project called Dactyl, where they literally have a, a robot hand uh, solving a Rubik's Cube in one hand, they they have a simulation element, and then they have the real world element. They line those two up up two together, and what happens is uh, it, the accelerated accelerated learning from the simulation is just extraordinarily fast. So it's kind of like growing a, a child to adulthood in um, you know in a matter of months instead of uh, you know eighteen years.
0: So, Steve, my question, obviously, you know, we joke, and everyone's concerned, are robots going to take over the world? I think of, you know, the movie iRobot that came out in 2004. Talk about some of the things with this technology that you've helped develop with the simulation. What can these rob- robots do? Is there a limit? I mean, what, what what are we looking at?
3: So there's no there's no limit. Uh, the 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 goal of the of the platform is to create a uh, uh, one single architecture that can do many many tasks and uh, i compared this to the early turing machine if, if you know about the turing machine it was used to break the uh, enigma uh, the the nazi enigma way back in world war ii and what that was was a universal universally programmable computer that would just have one one task to one computer but uh, for the humanoid robotic we call seraphim now um, that's multiple multiple tasks for one platform basically so and the, in and the short, simple answer is yes, they can do anything that we train them to do.
0: Very
1: interesting. Interesting. So humanoid robots, when you say we can train them to do anything that, uh, we want them to do, are we going to have, uh, for lack of better term, robot butlers here soon, uh, uh, humanoid assistants that'll clean the house for us and things like that.
3: Absolutely. I, I think, uh, We should our target time to get this uh platform walking this uh, robot walking is within about two years and yes we will see robot butlers we will see uh, all that stuff and also uh also the most important thing the part part of the reason why i'm designing is for dangerous jobs such as firefighting um you know like logging has an extraordinarily high uh injury risk so uh, these really really dangerous jobs stuff that uh that people really put their lives at risk for this is what i want to send the robots in for basically
0: what about, like, I hate to say it, something like war or anything like that? Is that something that we maybe need to be concerned about down the road or something to that extent with this type of technology? Absolutely, 100%. Uh, we are in an AI war right now, fifth
3: generation warfare. We're getting constantly attacked, cyber attacks everywhere going on. We are in, we are in a, a perpetual cyber warfare going on right now. And the next level could potentially be kinetic. And, you know, I love this country, I was born here um my you know my father immigrated here from from the philippines my grandfather helped out world war ii the american cause there so i love this country you know I want, I want to make sure we have the best the absolute best technology that exists today and um i don't believe russia or china or other countries are gonna have i want to say ethical ai or whatever i want to say a kind of a futurama analogy a kill all humans uh potential that could happen basically we've seen this with You know, depending on your perspectives with with potentially COVID issues, whether it was accidental or intentional release or whatnot, I really want us to have the best technology here for America, for our defense and our protection and our freedoms and to protect our constitution. So
1: So as a programmer, a humanoid robot programmer, what can you and what can we do to stop unethical, uh, potentially unethical programmers or programmers who might develop things I don't know how else to say it but not not the most positive results for all of us
3: yeah I I, I want to call that uh, I I usually refer to it as unleashed AI something that's that's not uh, has does not have a human checking what it's doing in between and uh the technology I'm I'm making does not have that it has humans checking everything in between for example in the simulation environment if you don't like that logic uh, then you, you don't have to port it to the or build it to the actual physical robot. So yes, I, I sincerely believe uh, there, there will be AI incidents happening. There will be AI weapons. And I think Tesla even said the future war will all be robots. Uh, I think his quote was, it'll be a, a sort of a show of uh robot basically or something that an exhibition of robots, I think is the term he used basically. So, like I said, the only thing that you could uh, use to fight an AI is another AI basically. So, I think this is a seriously a, a potential loss area. I think we're on that path right now. So,
0: You see the technology now, and I guess this is a tough question to answer, but I guess it's it's certainly a pertinent question. Where can we go from here? So if you're talking about well, if we have butlers and obviously we have to maybe have a concern of, of war and things like that, where can it go from there, you think? I mean, if, if this is where we're at in 2021, what can happen in the next five to six years? What you know, I want to build these things because I don't think humans should be
3: treated like robots. I I think humans should be treated like humans, and I it's it's hard seeing some people do some extremely difficult labor, and instead of them doing that labor, perhaps they could handle the robot and and train them on the tasks they want to do. Basically, so again, in the long run, you know, we will see robot butlers. We will have these chat robots and, and entertainment robots or whatnot, but. For the most part, I'm designing this to help us basically as human beings to not be treated like robots.
1: So you talked about some places where robots could help with that are dangerous and you talked about war with the climate as it is. I don't want to I'm not I want to talk about politics, but policing is a pretty um, challenging topic at the moment. Can robots help there? And if so, how in the near term?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there are certain cases where, uh, for example, some suspects or whatever maybe be having, having somewhat of a mental health crisis or whatnot, and instead of just shooting them or whatnot, maybe a robot could help go in there and help detain them and get them treatment, the treatment they need, for example. Uh, a, lot, a lot of issues that are happening now are related to probably narcotics or whatever, or other drugs and stuff like that. So, again, I, I don't want to put uh, – First responders' safety on the line. I'd rather have them uh, help the person, uh, you know, without killing them and stuff like that and doing permanent damage and uh, them getting the proper treatment, for example.
0: When do you see a time, and we were talking about policemen, so I guess i use that an example. When will be the time where the Cleveland Police Department and the mayor's office calls up someone like yourself or another company that actually puts these together and says, we're interested in these robots. We'd like to have four or five. What what's the timeline you think on something like that? From so what the first
3: concept, we're we're going to be building five prototypes in this in this shop behind me here. I'd say within two two to three years we should have this thing walking and talking. Wow. The speech systems already developed. Yeah, we're not very far away. And these are readily avail- available materials. I designed it on something that's readily available. No exotic materials that are hard to 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 uh, to get. So I think two years we should have this prototype. Again, we'll do a press release that you know i kind of. I'm kind of uh, joining these podcasts to speak out about it before people get really scared or whatnot, because I think it's something, if you don't really understand it you see it, it's something that's going to kind of raise the hair on your arms. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. So, uh, so two years to walk, I'd say three to four years for training, simple training programs, four to five years uh, out. We should have some uh, functional robots to take care of basic tasks such as agriculture, farming, whatever simple tasks, I think so. Uh, and then beyond that, we, we can have them as, uh, I want to say, um, law enforcement uh, controlled robots and stuff like that. First responders, firefighters, uh, you know, whatever hard tasks that are extremely hard for, for people to uh, do or dangerous or put, put human lives at risk. So.
0: Absolutely amazing. Wow. Awesome. Well, Steve, if people
1: want to uh, keep up with this subject matter, keep up with you, your company, things like that. What are what would you say are some good resources or where can they keep track of you?
3: Yeah, definitely. Our website is far-f-a-r-c-o-r-p.com. That stands for FAVUS Advanced Robotics. So it's far We're doing a series A round, maybe closing that possibly pretty soon here. So um, we have a, extremely valuable intellectual property and we're making leaps and progress every day. Bounce. Bounds of leaps of progress every day. So we're we're doing fantastic. So that website is far-corp.com.
1: Awesome. Well, best of luck. Uh, Sounds like you're really onto something that uh, if used properly can, can help an awful lot of people. So best of luck. And uh, maybe we'll uh, get an update from you. And if you figure out who's doing all these hacks that uh, uh, the president keeps, uh, you know, as uh, as a or whoever to, the hacks that the president's uh, talking about here if you want to break the news on our show when you figure it out you just let us know and we'll bring you back on okay sure, absolutely all right well <laughs> steve thanks for your time and uh, uh best
3: of luck thanks a lot ted thanks a lot ken thanks for having me appreciate it
0: Time for the overachievers, where we highlight an extraordinary achievement. Mm. Ted, you're not in the list this week. I just want to let you know. Dang it. You didn't make it again. Son of a Maybe God. one week. I, I didn't make it either. Well. Four German tightrope walkers set a new world highlining distance record by crossing. This is unbelievable. This sounds like it's the start of a joke. It really four does. German
1: tightrope walkers
0: walk into a bar. Hey, so four Germans walked uh, walked out on a tightrope. <laughs> They crossed a 1.3 mile valley. I'll repeat a 1.3 mile valley in Sweden on a line suspended at a height of almost 2000 feet. Hmm. I'm actually getting nervous reading the rest of the story because that is. <laughs> hey, now don't sleep. Ruter's video footage showed a barefoot man sway and teeter oh, as he tiptoed the line. Oh, this is insane. It took the team two days to rig the line across the two Arctic Circle peaks. Oh. Now, I'm going to give a congratulations to these four gentlemen, and I want you to remember these names, okay? Please. Yes. Here we go Quirin Heiderich, mm. Lucas Ermler, mm-hmm. Ruben Longer, and Freedy Kuhn. Okay. Those are the overachievers. Those are going to be household names if they continue to cross. 1.3 mile valleys in Sweden on a line suspended at a height of almost 2,000 feet by the way I imagine they're not wearing a harness That's I, I would
1: think not so if if there's a problem and they they don't make it across we probably won't need to remember it much longer no
2: <laughs> the most trusted name in journalism. Clop's Clips.
0: All right,
1: Ken. Highlight of the show for me. Hopefully for others as well. Although the whole show is always a highlight. But nonetheless, let's hit the news you ought to know. A Georgia woman thought she saw a piece of fuzz under her bed. It moved. And she saw another piece of fuzz move. She went to her husband and told him she thought they had snakes under the bed. They did have snakes under the bed. 17 babies and a mother snake. <laughs> he turned out to be non-venomous, and her husband was able to use a grabbing tool to get him into a bl- bag, and then he released him near a creek. 18 snakes total.
0: How would that go over at home? Not well. I didn't think so. No, not well over here either. Yeah, he he struggle with, with ants. Here. We have have a struggle with ants, let alone snakes.
1: Yeah, Eowyn would be uh, on the highest. I wonder what kind of snakes they were. Uh, Garter snakes, I believe. Fair enough. Yeah. Van Lewin Ice Cream of Brooklyn, New York. It's created a new limited edition ice cream. Kraft macaroni and cheese flavored ice cream. Hmm. The ice cream debuted last week on National Macaroni and Cheese Day. The company says the response has been overwhelming, and the flavor is already listed as sold out on the website. Wow! They're now working to make more. Would you try it? No. I would at oh, least no. try it to see. Yeah, I, I would try. not have a
0: full a full, full Sunday. Yeah. I no. would
1: not expect anything good.
0: No, I I don't know. I, I that's amazing they could take ice cream and make it with macaroni and cheese flavor. That in itself is pretty. Amazing. Well, it makes me wonder. What kind of
1: artificial flavors they're using.
0: Yeah, maybe your body will glow green after you're done.
1: <laughs> well, <coughs> staying with food. The spice company McCormick is hiring Ken, so you know oh, if you or anybody you know looking for a change of career, this could be could be an opportunity. They're ready to pay a taco lover a hundred grand over four months to help come up with new taco seasonings. The yeah, job title director of taco relations (laughs) i want that title that's awesome the director will taste test and consult on recipes along with traveling around the country from september to december to search for the latest taco trends wow you don't even work for a full year no you get time off yeah jeez hundred grand to go around and wow research
0: tacos Maybe you can name this, the, the different spices, too. Yeah. Clop spice. There you go. I like it. I like it, too. Yeah. All right. A
1: Michigan man says a problem with cement stairs to his house led him to start removing some loose cinder blocks. When he did so, he discovered old bowling balls were the problem. They were under the stairs. They were also under his patio. And they were also under his house. Okay. So far, David Olson has removed 160 bowling balls. <laughs> they appear to be in a grid work, along with what seems to be poured sand underneath there. Brunswick Bowling Company did have a plant in the area in the 1950s, but not on that specific plot of land. Because of all this, Olsen has created a Facebook group to chronicle his work and discoveries of the bowling balls. The Facebook group, in case you want to join, is called the Bowling Ball Guy.
0: Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, some some people have critters under their house. Yeah. This gentleman's got bowling balls. At least when he knows they're out of there and they're not going to reproduce. So yeah. Yeah. he's in good shape with that. I wonder if he's going to roll a 300 here.
1: He's <laughs> got a good shot. A Springfield, Massachusetts woman is suing Six Flags for a quarter million bucks. says she fell down a small hill covered in goose poop and broke her ankle. Oh, man. She claims the fall stopped her from being able to work as a real estate agent and that it was due to the park's negligence. The suit says the park caused the woman's injuries as well as lost pay, loss of enjoyment of life, mental anguish, and past, present, and future pain, suffering, and medical expenses. That sounds like a wow. very involved broken
0: ankle. I feel bad that she broke her ankle, yeah. there's no doubt, but I, I don't know how the, I mean, unless there's something written in a contract or something, how the park is responsible for goose poop.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, that's that's kind of tough to prove. That's kind of a natural type of situation that could happen anywhere.
1: Yeah, yeah. And Watch I doubt it's put a quarter of a million bucks. I would agree with that. I think the uh, Six Flags probably thinks she's full of, who? <laughs> Probably, I imagine that's the case. Well, that is this week's collection of Clops Clips. Cleveland, this is for you. Back with another this week in Cleveland sports, July twenty fifth, nineteen forty one. Nate Thurmond. American basketball hall of fame forward and seven time NBA all-star is born in Akron. So he's from the area and obviously a, an amazing basketball player. Let's bring in our, our resident guru of Cleveland sports who uh, for reasons I'm not clear on was, it was cleared to take a week off. Did you clear that last weekend?
0: I didn't clear anything. You're the one in charge. I'm just kind of following your footsteps here. So
1: anyhow, Dusty, we'll talk about that PTO form later. But for now, let's talk about uh, Nate Thurmond and uh, what kind of basketball player he was, a a darn good one.
2: Let's talk about Nate Thurmond. He was a Hall of Famer, obviously, basketball Hall of Famer. He said seven-time All-Star, five-time All-Defensive team, and he was on the All-Rookie team as well. Played the majority of his career with the Warriors, uh, San Francisco slash Golden State when they rebranded in the early 70s. And played a little bit with the Chicago Bulls and obviously finished his career with the Cavs coming back home and playing a couple seasons with the Cavaliers but the interesting thing that sticks out for me with Nate Thurmond is obviously he's a post player but when you look at his career averages he averaged 15 and 15 for his career 15 points 15 rebounds so you knew that when he went on the floor you were going to get statistics that were off the charts night in and night out he was a He was a tough player. He was a 40-plus minute a night player for the majority of his career. Wasn't that player when he got to the Cavaliers in his mid-30s, but he was still very serviceable at that point.
0: Yeah, the thing with Nate Thurman, and I, I always think about this, I was not around at the time, as my mother says, I was a star. But the Cavs had a very good team. It was in the 70s, and it was a year where Jim Jones broke his foot and they try to play Nate Thurman, who was at the end of his career. I mean, and everybody talks about the, you know, all the heart and, and hustle that he had and what he did defensively. But offensively at that time, he was starting to really kind of hit the slid, hit the skids a little bit. But as, uh, you know, one of the guys that's in the rafters, Dusty, I mean, you certainly think about all the great players that played for the Cavs. But I think at times people forget that Nate Thurman was a part of the Cavaliers organization.
2: Yeah, and that his you would hope that he wouldn't be forgotten in Cavs history because it was in that miracle of Richfield period, and he didn't really play that much for the Cavaliers. He played over 100 games, but didn't really get a lot of minutes because he was on the backside of his career. But being a a Hall of Fame type player, and he obviously is one, coming back to the area where when he started his career, there was no such thing as the Cavaliers. So he was kind of that first really big superstar name that the Cavaliers had. And then obviously you build off of that, the Miracle Richfield years, and then the Price-Doherty-Nash years, and then obviously the LeBron years. So you would hope that a guy like Nate Thurman, his
0: contributions wouldn't be forgotten. Ted, let's test Dusty because he always gets stuff right. I'm going to test him here. Okay. Okay. So we mentioned that Nate Thurman is from Akron. Yeah. Can you name two other, basketball players that were born in akron oh my oh my he got I, me
1: I, I think i can do this play, play okay, the go play. ahead i'll go oh, ahead the obvious one
0: is lebron okay oh yeah and, uh del curry steph curry yeah steph curry his steph curry, son i'm sorry because yep. del was playing for the Cavs at the time that's always a trick question you forget about that
2: because uh, he was born while del curry played with the Cavs. correct
0: exactly yes Isn't that wild? Three outstanding, I mean, let's be honest, that's three Hall of Famers from the city of Akron. More in the city of Akron. How about that?
1: What I often wonder is what kind of a team would the Cavs have had if Steph Curry had joined LeBron? Oh,
0: that's pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. Home
1: uh, hometown talents of that magnitude, but obviously that didn't happen. Well, what did happen is we got uh, Dusty back here for this week in Cleveland sports. Dusty, please submit that uh, PTO sheet to 2MAMICLE at gmail.com and we'll get that uh, taken care of for you.
2: Absolutely, right away. Thank you, guys.
1: Cleveland!
2: This is for you!
0: Ted, time for a segment that I know has been a fan favorite. A lot of people have talked about this, so we thought we'd bring it back once again. Our segment is called You Can Really Buy This. Mm -hmm. Okay? Okay. This week's item can be purchased from a company that rhymes with the word Pentagon. (laughs) Hopefully you can figure that out. Yeah. Well, who says you have to pay an exorbitant broker fees to find the home of your dreams? I know a lot of things have been going on with real estate, and we're trying to find different ways for people to save money with housing. Mm -hmm. You can make your dreams of home ownership come true as easily as you'd buy a bottle of dish soap. Thanks to this storage container turned house available for a cool $36,000. You can get your dish soap and home ownership at the same place. Wow. This is a perfect solution for a remote tiny home or vacation getaway. Mm. This is completely finished, and get this, 320 (laughs) 320 square foot home. (laughs) 320 square foot home. 320 square feet. Yep. It's manufactured by the International. Of Appleton, Wisconsin, using a new C container as the structural shell. Mod starts with certified new containers. They don't use that second-rate stuff, you know. No. First, you know, not not first or second unit use. This is first use. This is this is cream of the crop. The tiny home can be placed on either 12-inch concrete footings or a solid concrete slab. Hmm. It requires bottom access for something extremely important, a sewer connection. Well, uh, yeah, that's important. This standard unit has sidewater and electric connections includes bedroom shower, toilet, and a sink, plus a small kitchenette in a living area. You can put a large patio door open with the living room, and the price includes kitchen appliances. Now, you have to pay $4,500... For freight shipping into anywhere in the United States,
1: I was going to ask if shipping was included,
0: but clearly not. Now, the approximate weight is 12,500 pounds. So, delivery is to the location only. So, you better know exactly where you want this. An exact placement will need to be provided by a third party. Mm. So, okay. I do have some reviews if you're interested. Oh, I love the reviews. This is the yeah. best part.
1: Yes. So, so you're so, telling me other people have bought this already? Yes. Okay.
0: Yes. 36. Review, this was a four star from Lola. She was really excited about this. Okay. Now here's the part I'm confused about. She hasn't purchased one yet, but all of the negative comments infuriate her. Oh. Everyone is always so negative, whiny, and she used this word, pissy. How about that? Wow. Why not speak to the positive benefit of this product? This is a great little starter for someone just out of high school or college, or as a guest house or an Airbnb rental. <laughs> a lot of options. There are some challenges in some states. There are states where communities allow for tiny homes. So Lola says, give it a chance. La, 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 la. Well, then Lewis oh, okay. who only gave it two stars. Oh, boy. Seems like you'd ha- you can have a house the same size built from scratch for half the price. Uh huh. Bruce dropped it down. Michael went a little bit further. One star from Michael. Oh boy. The pitch the pictures suck. <laughs> little room. I'd rather buy a camper. Michael dropped it down and said, "You might as well get a camper." Yeah. Instead of this fine manufactured home by Mods International. $10,36,000. Really storage container turnhouse. Now on a serious note, I have seen storage containers used. They have this in Las Vegas. They're used as like different store floors. Yeah. They have a storage container park. Where they have all these different restaurants and bars and stores and they're all based on storage containers, which is cool. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to live in one. That. No. That's that's kinda of where I'm at. Three hundred yeah. twenty square feet? Not not. I don't know feet. if that's gonna be enough. No. Would would Aowen go along with that? Oh gosh, no. I don't I mean, we don't need a lot of room, but it's like you gotta sit on top of one another. I don't know if that's enough. And then mm-hmm. it seems like the toilet situation might be a little rough too. It's well
1: despite those reviews if you're interested you can really
2: forecast roulette with the official 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 the official meteorologist of two middle-aged men in cleveland fox eights scott sable
1: another game another game of roulette let's welcome scott sable from fox eight and we have more continental u.s cities scott i'm gonna guess that that is a good thing for you perhaps an area of expertise more so than the uh the non-continental uh, area of the world it
4: makes it a lot easier yeah i mean yeah it, 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 a little closer to home
1: okay all right, well, uh hey, Ken, you want to spin the uh the roulette wheel here? Here, and- let me give it a whirl here. Here we go. Okay. All right. Got some interesting names on the wheel as I see them going by. And uh let's see where this one stops. Oh. <laughs> All right, we have <clears throat> we have uh <clears throat> Ding dong, Texas. You can't
0: say that. Ding
1: dong, Texas.
0: This is a that's
1: the totally name of the city. Not- Now, I don't know if you guys know this or not, Ding Dong, Texas is a little bit north of Austin, Texas. So it's kind of between Austin and Waco. So, but yeah, Ding Dong, Texas. Uh, Ken, are you familiar at all with, (laughs) if I'm not familiar with Ding
0: Dong, no. Wasn't that something you could buy when you were a child at the lunchroom? What did they call that? Was that Ding Dongs or? Yeah, what I think that was that was, uh, that was a, a Hostess product, I believe. King Don wasn't it King Dong or King Don or something I, like that? I can't. I don't recall. I didn't have very many. Oh, we got Ding Dong, the witch's dad, and Twinkies and Ho Hos. Yeah. Oh. We got Ding Dong
1: from uh, from that. We got Ding Dong. I think there were Ding Dong wrestlers at one point. They were. I had gold body suits. If I remember correctly, I think they called one of them ding and the other one was dong. I believe it was a tag team, but Scott, do you have any information on ding dong, Texas or any other, do you you have anybody in your life that you call a ding dong?
3: Well,
4: uh, a lot of people. Yes. But that's beside, yes. um, uh, (laughs) I'm trying. I'm trying to look up like, you know, when you go on like the map here, you give me the city and I'm cheating here because I'm looking at the map and I'm zooming in and I'm zooming in and I'm, like there's like hardly any roads down there. They got, <laughs> I, uh, there's like a road and then you got to zoom super far in. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, wow, there really isn't much there.
1: Maybe it's a traffic light.
4: Yeah, I, I bet you it is. Well, that's crazy. That's yeah. crazy. It's almost like driving through um, Lost Springs, Wyoming, which I drove through once. Which now has a population of one. I think I've told that story before. <laughs>
1: one person,
0: one person in the one city. I, I did get information on Ding Dong in Ding Dong, Texas. Right now, the last census was done in two thousand and nine. There's thirty people there. Thirty oh. people. They got thirty, so they're they're a little bit bigger than that place. Yeah, I, I, I hear there are a bunch
1: of Ding Dongs. I don't know.
0: <clears throat> wow.
4: That's crazy. Man, yeah, there's some days I'd like to live on like that. I'll be, you know, be the mayor of a town and be, be the only person there and see what happens.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, I don't know if it's too remote, Scott, but do we have can we give a forecast, uh kind of a ding dong forecast?
4: We can. We can, absolutely. In fact, the temperatures they they've got a lot of rain in Texas. They've had like just ongoing rain from like Austin to Houston. Uh, looks as if the the rain's going to continue. They're gonna have scattered showers there temperatures generally in the lower middle 70s and on and off showers pretty much for the remainder of the week. Nothing continuous, but but that they're they're gonna start getting into this this real wet pattern down there. Um, so we'll see what happens. but yeah, they usually heat up I mean, they' you're usually up into the 90s during the uh, uh, during the summer. By the way, that's one area I want to go, Austin. I heard that's a really cool area to go just south of uh, Ding Dong. I've heard that uh, too. You're not going to
1: go to Ding Dong. You're just going to go to Austin, huh? Well, what I'll do is
4: this is what's going to happen. I'll probably end up like, well, well, my wife and I would fly in and then we drive down I-35 toward Austin. And then I would go, hey, you know what? There's Ding Dong Texas. Do you mind if we get off and check it out? And sure enough, it'll be one of these deals where my wife will say reluctantly, all right, let's go ahead and do that. And then someone in the car will get hungry. And then we can't (laughs) find our way back onto the interstate. And you, and then it just kind of snowballs, and then it becomes one of those Brady Bunch episodes where you where you you know you drive into one of those lost the uh, ghost towns, <clears throat>
1: uh-huh.
4: and, uh, you know. So I I'll probably drive by it and then probably just not go because of just the potential for things just kind of falling apart. You know. Would you
0: yell out the window when you're through? Ding dong. Would you have to yell ding dong? I would think you'd have to do that. Just to, I think just,
4: you'd have to you'd have to do something
0: tradition or something okay Uh-oh. well I, I
1: i think this segment has uh has ended so uh scott are you still scott hello yes sir uh, oh, I'm oh, oh you're still here okay. i zoned out
4: again sorry okay. yes
1: okay <laughs> oh god bless you hey. well, thank you scott we'll talk to you well, well i hope we talk to you again sometime well, soon
4: yeah we'll see you later
1: okay. <laughs>
2: Forecast Roulette with the official, 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 the official meteorologist of two middle-aged men in Cleveland,
1: Fox 8's Scott Sable. Miss Speak of the Week now. Our Commander-in-Chief takes the award again. He met with Germany's Chancellor Angela Merkel at the White House late last week, and then tried to introduce her at a press conference. But I want to take a moment to acknowledge the historic nature of her chancellorship.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: First woman chancellor in German Check. history. Check. The first chancellor from the former East Germany. Check. And now the second-largest oh. longest-serving chancellor since Helmut Kohl.
0: Hmm. you say that she's the second-largest? She's the second largest. Who's the largest? I want to know that. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) Oh man. That
1: is the misspeak of the week. We're trying to wrap up episode 64 here and we're still laughing about Germany's second
0: largest chancellor. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that is wow. I don't know. Sometimes we have some stuff that happens and you just can't stop laughing, man. That is that is funny. Oh goodness. Well good to laugh
1: once in a while. And uh uh Mr. Biden has his supporters and he has his detractors, but regardless of where you fall, he either is doing great things or he's making you laugh. That's exactly right. I agree. So well, let's thank uh, Steve Favis, our uh, robotics expert. Interesting conversation with him. Also, Dusty Sloan for his perspective on Nate Thurmond. And, of course, Scott Sable from Fox 8, the official meteorologist of two middle-aged men in Cleveland. Now, did I hear, and I forgot to ask Scott this during the thing, did I hear that Sable is uh, uh, big time in us here or something? What's the deal? Yeah,
0: I, I, Fox 8 itself wasn't enough. Him no. and his brother started a podcast. I don't know if they officially have an episode, but I, I heard a preview. It oh. should be pretty cool. It's uh, Scott and his brother John, and John is younger and I think resides in Florida. They're basically going to have a podcast that's really focused on cleveland sports i think they're hoping to get a couple different people on to talk about cleveland sports but it should be good i mean both of those guys really know a lot about cleveland sports scott has been a huge sports fan for a long time and i know his brother was a sports reporter in florida so i wish them the best of luck as they uh, jump into this fine venue that you and i have done now for Quite a while, a 63 episode, 64 episodes, Joe DeLamalur. Joe uh, DeLamalur, that's right. I I ask everyone to kind of check it out. It's uh, the name of the podcast, which obviously would be very important for people to hear, Sable Brothers on the Baseline. That's Mm. what it's called. Okay. All right. Sable Brothers on the Baseline. Check it out on all your your podcasts. By
1: the way, what team did Joe DeLamalur play for before
0: the Cleveland Browns? Buffalo bills. That's it. Can't stop me. I yep. hope to contain there you. Me. Go. That's right. All right. Ask well, me something else and I won't get it
1: so next I'll week on good. the show. I'm going to ask you what pickleball is. Cause I don't know what
0: pickleball Ooh. is. You know, what pickleball is. I've heard of it. I heard of it when you'll remember this name, Bill mm-hmm. Goldring mm-hmm. moved to Tennessee and I was going to stop by his place one time and I'm way back from a conference and he said that his wife was out playing pickleball. I never heard of that. Yeah, and at I first remember, I was I, I would first... A, maybe it was something different. But yeah, it's so a that might be code. That's that's a combination of like badminton, ping pong, and tennis. It's getting huge, by the way. Okay, well, Liz Cherry is a pickleballer. I don't
1: know what else you'd call her, but I believe she's got a podcast on the subject and. She's going to join us next week to talk about pickleball, introduce us to it, and we'll learn all about it. So uh, I don't want to put you in a pickle, but we're going to talk about that next week.
0: Yeah, I I don't want to do that. I I guess I'll just finish up and say we're just two middle-aged men in Cleveland.
2: Two Middle-Aged Men in Cleveland is sponsored by Anchor.fm. Everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And by Westminster A.V., custom
1: audio-visual packages for all occasions. Just beat it, beat it, beat it, beat it.